Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. The holidays are here, which for many of us means hosting family members for days or even weeks at a time. Here to guide us through creating as cozy a stay as possible for our guests are Adam Walton and Clark Childers, owners and operators of the Lincoln Marfa, a 16-unit community of short-term and long-term lodging in Marfa, Texas. Later in the episode, we'll also be sharing cute recipe ideas for the kids' table at Thanksgiving or to satisfy the child in all of us. Welcome to the show, Adam and Clark. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So good to be here. Feeling very cozy. We are so excited to have you here. <laughs> be our guest. Fan for a while, so to be on is a thrill. Yeah, congratulations on 100 episodes. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. We can't believe we, we made it. I love the wonderful lady ghosts from your Halloween episode. That was that was a, that was a good one. I really liked that. <laughs> Blue lady and the Jenny. Oh, so sweet. Every color of lady. Yes. <laughs> Truly. You guys do a beautiful job on here, and we're happy to be a part of it today. Well, yeah, well we are very happy to have you here. But before we dive into discussing how we can make our guests feel cozy and our spaces for the holidays, and in general when we have visitors, let's check in with what's making us feel cozy this week. So what's making me feel cozy this week is the little wedding of the century that's right. Uh, Amy Roloff and Chris's wedding on Little People Big World. Amy and Chris's Happily Ever After. We have this huge wedding event for a show that I love. It was on our um, reality TV shows that make us feel cozy. Like one of our first episodes, I feel like we talked about this show. Listeners will know I'm obsessed with the Roloffs. I've been watching Little People Big World for a very long time. And so this was a huge event. The, um, Amy's remarriage to Chris, who she's been dating for a long time. This episode aired on Tuesday, November 9th. And what was extra special about it is that Jillian had me and my husband over to watch this event <laughs> and created a spread that rivals the catering that Amy and Chris had for their wedding. She had cashew cheese queso, uh, pasta, caprese kebabs. Uh, everything was delicious. Uh, but, but more importantly, it was just so wonderful to hang out with good friends, Jillian's cuddly cats, uh, and bask in the roll-off drama together. And, and really also get to appreciate all of the commercials between airings of the show because every single show, I guess, on TLC now is measured in pounds. There's yes. my 600-pound life, my 1,000-pound <laughs> sister. Um, so it was great to um, experience all of that with 700 pounds of friendship in the room. Yeah, and Matt and I decided to do a joint make, what's making us feel cozy this week because what bonds us together, one of the one of the things that bonds us together is Little People Big World. And we've been following Amy's story forever. And what was cozy to me about this event, not only did I have Matt and Brett over for the first time in a while, I think you guys were the first people I had over in my house since, you know, the height of the pandemic. Um, but also the fact that we share this interest and love it with the same intensity. When you have a friend who is interested in the same thing you are, that's awesome. But to be obsessed as you are is even more special so we didn't have to explain any of the details matt knows amy's story and to just riff off all the different things was so fun i laughed i laughed so much and uh sharing laughter with matt and brett is so special to me and it was just more my heart knowing that it's something i'll always share with them and i want to say that amy's wedding rivaled harry and megan's it, absolutely no them. question I'm just <laughs> glad to hear that also you weren't going to talk about Paris Hilton's wedding. Because when you said the wedding of the century, I thought for sure. <laughs> like, oh, dear. I was it like, took oh, a turn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a, that was a, I, it was refreshing. What a time to be alive. Right. Oh, all, yeah. all these major wedding events. It's just, we're so blessed. Well, how about you, Adam and Clark? What's making you feel cozy? Well, I, after a long summer in LA of, you know, 85 degrees and, all else, like the fall is finally setting in and I'm really just feeling that sweater weather and putting on my layers. We just got back from a little trip from San Francisco and Ooh. it was, it was so, it was such a great little getaway. We went out to Alcatraz and we had all this fog and rain and mm. I, it was just so moody and it was just everything I'd been craving and missing. And it was great. I, I just felt 
that always makes me feel the best. I just loved the climate up there and the Bay Area is just so beautiful. So that was really nice to experience. We were both really stressed to go because we have a lot of stuff going on here, but we kind of had to go. Yeah. And But once we hit that weather and the, the vibe of San Francisco in general, um, it just, it totally de-stressed us and... We just had. It was really nice cool. to get away from all that, mm-hmm. all that energy down here, and just and just breathe, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it was clean, San Francisco. We were we were thinking it would. I don't know what our perceptions were, but San Francisco really gave us. We both agreed, like we like San Francisco more than we'd ever liked San Francisco in the past. We weren't new visitors to mm-hmm. San Francisco by any means, but the cars stopped for you when you crossed the street, and there were people cleaning the sidewalks at night, and there was like. In the middle of the day, it felt like a Sunday. We're like, where's the traffic? Why isn't everybody in a hurry? Yeah, people were so warm. Like, it was like, yeah, when you'd, you'd be crossing a crosswalk, and it's definitely a pedestrian-oriented city, and, like, they, they just kind of give you a little wave, and they let you pass, and they give you a little smile. And you're like, oh, that's nice. That's not something I've experienced a lot in Los Angeles. Like, what's going on here? No, that sounds lovely. I think we sometimes we take San Francisco for granted because it's so close to us, but... I don't go enough personally. So it's, it's wonderful that you guys were able to escape up there for a little bit. And, and you're well, a New Englander, so I'm sure it was lovely getting to get that seasonal yes. taste as you described. Right. Well, and the, and the, you know, the getaway weekend was always something that I've, that I've loved. That's always made me feel cozy is just getting out of my bubble for a little bit and yeah. seeing a new environment and just kind of settling into a different life for a minute. And I'm, some people could call it escapism, but I think it's just kind of taking a moment away from all of the things that are up in the air and all the craziness of my life and just taking a minute to disconnect and be in a new place with someone I love. It's always made me feel very cozy. Yeah. Change of scenery can really be great for that kind of reset and to be a little Mm -hmm. more mindful by just getting out of the usual day to day and into some new place where you can have some fresh experiences. Yeah, I'm not a big meditator. So that's, yeah, that is the, yeah, exactly. I think that's really my mindfulness practice is just taking myself out of my zone. How about you, Clark? What's making you feel cozy? On the short term, I'd say I'm wearing joggers right now. That are very <laughs> I just put them on and they feel very cozy. Um, I would say I was going to go with Kat. I was thinking we also did a nice little staycation for our anniversary downtown that was very cozy and just stayed in a, in a, hotel like just you know 10 minutes from here and it was good to get out but i think the main thing that i'm feeling cozy with and it's not done yet but we we are moving from our apartment when we're cutting our size down in half um and we're in the middle of the renovations of this old bungalow that we purchased and we're really figuring out how to move from a 900 square foot space to 550 square foot space and i'm enjoying the process of figuring out how we're going to live in half the space. And we're both really excited to move there, even though it's kind of a construction zone. But I'm really enjoying this anticipation of moving into literally a cozier space. Yeah, and, yeah literally. <laughs> yeah. And like, and getting excited about that space and, and, and getting excited about seeing how we're going to make that feel more like home and getting excited about realizing that like, even though it's a smaller space, we have a little garden out front and how that garden's going to be an extension of our, of our, our home. And that we'll spend more time outside in this place than in our current apartment, which doesn't have like any kind of outdoor space or a porch or anything like that. And just, um, we've been having, we've been working on it for months, but as we get closer to the, the outside being painted now and the, the catio being built in the back and, um, that kind of stuff. Just, it's just starting to feel more like home and I'm getting excited to really like get under the covers there. That's, I think what's making me feel cozy. That's making me feel cozy. Yeah. I know. Listening it. to it. I was hearing a catio and also I know, exactly. Did... I could actually listen to an hour of you just describing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was almost, you know, floating to another place. <laughs> 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 I'm like, Oh, wow. These swap lines. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Speaking of nesting, and this idea of like creating a cozy space, you both are well-versed on doing that as owners and operators of a hotel. But before we dive into how you create a cozy space for guests and visitors to your hotel, let's just talk about what it is like to be a guest and what's important for us. So my first question for you both is, what is important for you as a guest and what makes you feel welcome and cared for? I think 
from our recent stays, I'm just trying to think of things that have bothered us when we're in spaces that make us not feel at home. And it's really, I think it's the small details of a space, like something like knowing you can tell, like with the placement of art, like if it was hung there haphazardly or if it was done there with intention or something being maintained. Like if there's, if there's scratches all over the wall or if something looks like it hasn't been cared for, it's almost like the, the quality of the space is and how it's cared for and how it's, and how it's decorated. I think, yeah. And I think, I think that lends itself to sort of our space too. We do, we want things to feel like there's been personal attention paid by someone and it wasn't just a choice that they made to look a certain way or, or give off a vibe, a certain vibe. You know, it's more about that the space was just lovingly put together, you know, with and, and I think attend, attention to what to what the space asks for instead of trying to make a space represent something in your mind. Yeah, I agree that it's the small things, those little details that show care and attention. Sometimes it's even just kind of like the really small amenities that might be overlooked in larger chains um, yeah. of hotels where it's just like, oh, they have this utensil that I, I really need right now, like a bottle opener yes, um, or um, a tish, a box of tissues right when you need it. Like stuff like that, those little things were like, oh, they really thought about what you would need if you're staying here in this space that mm-hmm. you might've forgotten to pack or you don't have with you. And that even goes, I think in, in the case of if you're hosting family or friends and it's your own place um i think that extends to food too so like and 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 drink and having stuff available so you know if they're thirsty or hungry you have it covered if there's someone who drinks coffee like the coffee's there right yeah it's it's sort of the basic principle of like just put yourself in someone else's shoes what kind of things would it be nice to have around when you're you know when you're inhabiting a space that isn't your home. Yeah. And accessibility too. Right. So like, and again, this is more kind of um, toward like places where like you're visiting a family member or a friend, but like things that are like accessible with, if I want to make coffee for myself, cause I'm the first person awake, I can do that without like tearing apart the kitchen or feeling like I can't touch anything in the space. Cause I don't know where anything yeah. is. Yeah. I also like when I visit someone, they kind of gave me my space to, decompress that's mm. really important for yeah. me as well and so if I just come in from a flight they say hey if you want to take a few minutes to yourself have it here's a glass of wine and you know freshen up or just to let me do my own thing maybe I want to see something in the city by myself or uh, mm. I love that in- independence that can be afforded to you as a guest but also going to what you um, said Clark about those personal touches another thing I like when I go to you know Airbnb is to have a list of restaurants in the neighborhood that they recommend that also have veggie options like I was in Nashville and it's really hard to find veggie options there but the Airbnb I was in had a list of places and said hey these are some eateries in the neighborhood that we really love that are also accommodating to folks who um, have special dietary needs so it's it's important when you have that care and consideration for your guests on the flip side of that how do you bring the coziness as a guest and and what do you think makes an ideal guest? This ventures into us complaining about guests. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you can do that too, because that's a good guide to become the ideal guest, not what to do. I, I would say the only recommendation I would make to a guest <laughs> is to read, because we really work so hard. We put so much effort into making all the information you need available to you, and so many people don't look around. Like, we get calls about the Wi-Fi password all the time and it's information we're happy to share but it's there (laughs) (laughs) i think just to explore and absorb your space yeah i don't know take a moment i think take a moment and 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 i yeah i think that's the little bit of the philosophy is like just take a minute like get in you know we're as we're with covid and everything we're we're like we're a self-check-in facility we don't have a front desk Um, you know, we're available by phone or by text, but, but all the information that a person needs, we have worked really hard to curate so that it's there and it's available and it's visible. And, and a lot of people, they don't really take the time when they check in to like, just look around for a minute to like, kind of like what you said, decompress, sit down, put your bags down, check out the space, see what kind of coffee we have, Mm -hmm. see what kind of creamer Mm -hmm. we have. 
see, read the information sheet that says, you know, this is what the facilities that we have, where the pool is, where the fire pits are, what the Wi-Fi password is, what the... Take, you know. a, take a look around before, before feeling the need to, you know, ask questions or, or panic, you know, in a, in a <laughs> subtle way, you know, just take a look around and, and see what you see what you find. I have thought about this a little bit recently, just because we have been doing many little staycations um, and I've really enjoyed them so much, but I have been kind of pulling that back on myself and asking myself, like, how can I be better as a guest, be the kind of guest that I would want at my property in it it always, it always comes back to like, just pay attention mm-hmm. and just look around and explore, feel it out, you know? I completely agree. And, and being receptive. Yeah. Obviously to the experience that's being provided, but also to suggestions that your host is making. I can't say like how often it's happened to us, especially living in Los Angeles where it is easy. And I've done this before when I first visited LA to do LA very wrong. Um, and then come away with a very negative experience. Like there's, the first time I visited LA, I absolutely hated the city. Same because, here. And, and I realized that living here now that a lot of that, some of it was like naturally part of the parts of the city that just aren't great. It's not always perfect, but also there's a, a better way of going about things. Like, you know, don't decide you're going to go West during rush hour traffic. Maybe just don't like, <laughs> you know, think about like the flow of the city and listen to your hosts when they say, Oh, if you want to do go to this museum or that museum, um, that place isn't so great. We've done it before because we live here. And then what ends up happening to us is like a visitor will, they won't listen to us. They'll go do their own thing. Sometimes things that we suggested they don't do. And then they come back and they're like, wow, I don't know how you live here. It's so, the, it, the traffic was so bad and this place was terrible. And it's like, we tried telling you. Yeah. People have their hearts set on a specific kind of experience. And mm-hmm. I think that's true on vacation a lot. It's, is you're kind of like, you're not being as receptive to like where you are and just, like kind of listening to that and feeling that out. I think you like kind of want to control the experience. And I think you, what you're talking about about LA is so true. Cause I think you can come to LA and have based on just what neighborhood you're in, you could just have a completely different experience than what you anticipated having. And so you kind of have to, I think it is smart to just listen, listen to the people who live there, listen to, you know, listen to, day, to your We still don't really know how to tell people to do LA. Yeah. We're like conf- confounded. We love it here, but we don't know mm-hmm. how to tell, we don't know what to say. Someone asked us where to go. And I was <laughs> like, well, that, that entirely depends on what kind of person you are and what Very kind true. of things you enjoy. Very you know, it, it, it's so subjective. I think that in that way. Yeah. I think just going with the flow is, is so important. Um, it really is. It sounds so basic and silly, but it, I think to fully embrace that would just make everyone have a better experience, you know, and, and especially when you're visiting a new place, you just let the place tell you. And I I think that's honestly, that bleeds into what we did in our spaces is we let the spaces dictate what they needed to be instead of trying to make it fit our vision or a vision we had somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's actually a perfect segue to my next question. So switching gears to the hosting side of things, describe Mm -hmm. for our listeners what the Lincoln Marfa is like. And tell us a little about what inspired you both to create such a cozy space for visitors. Well, the, the Lincoln is a, is a collection of, of buildings. It's over 120 years old. Um, it was, they started as some of the first structures built in Marfa. Um, one of the original adobe structures there was essentially a stable yards for the courthouse. It's right across the street. We're right in downtown Marfa. Um, with a beautiful view of the Presidio County Courthouse. And um, there's a lot of, a, there's a really great historic core in Marfa. It has still a lot of the look and feel of the old, like, small town Texas street um, with all of the, just all, of this, it's steeped in a lot of history. And there's some cool old theaters there and all this kind of activity, um, especially on the weekends. But our property, yeah, it's, it's over 120 years old. Uh, it's a series of structures. We always referred to it jokingly as a, like a Frankenstein building because over the decades and different eras, people were adding on. And first it was developed into a, just one big family home. And then someone built off a wing this direction and did that out of stick. Or someone did this section and did it out of Adobe. And, and over the years, it became basically a, a, a little apartment building. Um, not set up in a very traditional sense. So it's this kind of this like twisted little pathway that runs through these courtyards. And um, everybody looks at it. You look at the front and it looks like it's just this one house. And everybody thought it was just everybody who visits 
is like, oh my God, there's so much here. Cause you like go around a corner and there's another courtyard and then you go around another corner <laughs> and there's another courtyard and there's another building. And like, they think it's this one house and we have seven buildings. Like it's just, it's just meandering. And when and- you first walk in, it's very hard to put together in your head. You know, if you, if you don't have a little map or something, cause it's a, it's just a really interesting patchwork of, of properties there. And, you know, there's only so many ways to get from point A to point B. There's and- even a bomb shelter. Wow. Yeah. What I, what I love about your place so much is that each suite has so much personality, including the bomb shelter suite. Can you actually, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yeah. like, how that room came to be? Backstory is I had been looking at this place for years. I, I moved to Marfa in 2013 and it was just this abandoned Chernobyl looking property. <laughs> That was beautiful. I could see the bones in it. I just, I, I mean, I knew that it was gorgeous, but I, it was so derelict and it was right on the square. And it was one of the last buildings on the square that hadn't been fixed. So it just was this eyesore. I was in love with it from the day I've met it. Um, but that it was years before we actually were able to buy it. That was never in the cards. But the bomb shelter, you you walk into the back courtyard and there was just this rusty hinged um, trap door right out in the middle of this concrete pad and you walk down and inside was this damp like no like like dark square box with an old rusted water storage tank and it was clearly there for reason but it was never it had either been gutted or never completed or whatever it's a hundred um, square feet of Blair Witch Project basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, I mean, the town was was host to a military base. Um, so, and, and it was just it's just down the wind path from El Paso, which has a huge military base, right? And I, I think I think there was a presumption there's there you know that at one point that the city might become some sort of target, you know, if it ever came down to it. A bomb shelter salesman walked around Marfa back in 1958 <laughs> and sold some people on some bomb shelters. Like a little bit of a doomsday point. doomsday preparation situation. There are several around town. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not completely uncommon. Most of them have collapsed or been filled in or whatever. We're the only ones who have made one livable. Nobody lives in the bomb shelters. Um, it, was a, it was a steep task. We just wanted to make sure we used every single thing that we got. It, it with this property we wanted every space to be you know to to close something like that off a cool old bomb shelter that could maybe be something you know it it was a it was a space down there and we just thought you know ob- obviously we're not going to make someone live down there it's not going to be a long-term <laughs> rental that's not going to work <laughs> neither of us drink wine you know or at least we're not wine snobs so you know we didn't have any there was no purpose for that you know we we, we kind of ran through a, a few different ideas of like what could we put down here what could it, this be like and then i mean i think through the deliberation we were just like let's just rent it out it was our and- last it was the last space you know and i would go in on airbnb and there were tree houses and boats and castles <laughs> and all this stuff but there is not a single authentic vintage bomb shelter on airbnb i think we're the only one in the world there might be a couple of those like buried school buses or something that people have done <laughs> recently, but nothing yeah. that's like we tried to make it feel like you're back in 19 you know 55 or 1960 or whenever it was um, and, uh, and I was like, we have to, we have to try to make this work. I mean, like, we didn't know whether people would want to do it or not, but, yeah. but we get, you know, it's, it's not our most popular unit, but we've had it. People come specifically to get the bomb shelter experience. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a room that's filling up cause, cause we're full. It's, it's, it is truly something that is sought out by a certain kind of traveler. And I think they really are looking for a quirky cozy very cozy experience down there you know as long as you don't get you know have any claustrophobic things you know it's super cozy by the way it is that the bomb shelter is truly very cozy you don't think of a bomb shelter as being cozy but you can get down there you got a tv hooked up you got it you got good wi-fi you have a little kitchenette cute little bathroom hot shower yeah and you go down there. We love watching movies down there because it feels like it's almost like living in a gravity blanket. You know, <laughs> you feel like you're it's, completely surrounded it's, it's by. It's a little bit like a sensory know. deprivation tank. Yeah. Well, sold. You saw the cozy potential in it. And you guys have such a eye for special things. And Marfa is so special in many ways. But what do you both think is the coziest quality about Marfa? There's an enormous amount of mystique around Marfa. 
And people are really, people who are drawn there are really connected to the environment and just the strange presence of this community out there. And in, as a result of being so small, people are drawn together. And it really is a, a community of people who want to be cohabitating and have a lot of the same interests and passions and interest in, in the environment and, and the place that it is and the art that's created there and the energy of it. It's just, it's like a big commune in a way. Mm -hmm. Like you're, when you're going there, you're joining a community. You really are. You're not just like, when you move to LA, you're moving to a city and be your own person. When you go to Marfa, you're investing in the community, whether you like it or not, you're going (laughs) to know everybody. Yeah. Everybody's going to know you. And, and it's a very different life experience and it's a really great life experience. You know, I, I think ultimately everyone who moves there has a significant impact on like the dynamics of Marfa. You know, everybody knows everybody you drive down the street and you just can't, you know, or you walk or you walk around the corner or pop into any shop or gallery or restaurant. And you're going to see at least three people that you know, and have talked with earlier that day. Not only is that a small town feel, but you have the opportunity to change it in a, in a wonderful way, whether you're starting a new business or just helping some people out, it's, you can really change the fabric of, of the town, which is not always true for small towns. Some small towns are very fixed, but mm. it sounds like with Mar- Marfa, it's always growing and evolving, which is really a special thing. Yeah. And it's, yes. And the people who move there are very socially and politically engaged and interested and people who move there, like, like I was saying, they just really care about the place. And it really inspires, you know, you know, a constant evolution. And, and, it's, and it's an impact that you don't necessarily see in a big metropolitan area. You know, you can have a much more significant impact. Yeah, very true. People who live there like to call it an island because we're still, anytime you go, if you want to go anywhere with an airport or, or a Walmart or a restaurant, a, a commercial chain of any kind, you have to drive three, three and a half hours. So we are an island. We just don't have the water. And so it's the same appeal, you know, that whole island living thing that people find so attractive. Like I'm going to move to the keys and move to the island. It's an island. We just have to be in the desert. And it's that same island mentality. It um, truly is. And it's, it's, you know, the, the people who end up there really wanted to get there. It's not an easy place to get to. The weather's beautiful. Yeah. The climate there is very different than, than the rest of Texas. The nature's beautiful. We do have seasons, which is a very unusual thing in Texas. We do have mountains. We do have, you know, we've, we've got art. It's got, it all. one of the things that also really attracted me to it initially, I went there kind of by accident. I got hired for a job to run a film festival there without really knowing much about Marfa. And what, what sold me on it was with the, with the creativity that's there, the artists that are there, the, the people, so many of the people who live there come from big cities that it has all the qualities of a, of a, of a big city crammed into one square mile of a small town. You know, like on any given night, there's a gallery opening or there's a concert or some visiting artist is doing some installation or something super cool. Or there's a restaurant opening or we have a guest chef doing sushi or we have, you know, like that's not going to happen in any other small town in Texas. Just doesn't. Yeah, Marfa is really special and has one one foot's in this cosmopolitan art world that's so dynamic and uh, creative, but the other foot is is also in that small town Texas lifestyle, and the fusing of those two things creates such a unique and beautiful atmosphere. It's a really special place to visit. That's a really perfect way of putting it. And so you found yourselves in Marfa, and you have this property, and you're renovating it and building it. Uh, what were some of the changes you made to the design to make the suites cozier and more comfortable? The main thing we tried to do with the Lincoln was to return it as close to what we imagined it was in its beginning stages than it was. Because we, when we bought it, there had been a lot of work done in the 70s. So we removed a lot of paneling. We pulled up a lot of shag carpet. We pulled out a lot of old gold furniture. And it was more about getting it back to the kind of Texas farmhouse kind of vibe, but also we had a lot of influence and minimalism influence. Like, you know, Donald Judd and his, his style of architecture and and decor really, which was just simplicity Mm -hmm. at its core um, was a big influence for us. The idea was kind of just to strip back all of the layers of, you know, the decades of 
different design choices and different design elements and just kind of strip it back bare. And I think like a lot of places in Marfa, it's very inspired by this minimalist art movement. And we wanted our space to sort of reflect that too. We wanted it to sort of have a little bit of the energy of a, of one of the art galleries in town and, and really get it back to the original stucco walls and get some, you know, fix up the antique windows that were there. Um, and, you know, any, any flooring that was there, any, whether it was a concrete slab, an old concrete slab from the fifties or old hardwood flooring from the 1920s or whatever, like, we are just like, how can we make this work? How can we sand this down and get this looking like something, even if it's a little beat up and it's a little old and worn in? Like, I think that's part of the earthy hominess we are kind of driving for is just to kind of bring it into this kind of into this kind of cozy place. We think old buildings are cozy, so we don't try to make old buildings look like new buildings. Yeah, I love that. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, and it's authenticity, too. I mean, you keep things authentic, which I personally find very cozy. Well, and it's, and it's, and it's our, but it, you know, and, it, and it's our style, but I do look at a lot of these like before and afters on renovation shows and, you know, these like, oh, we're going to restore or fix up this thing. And it looks nothing like it originally yeah. did, you know, and, and not that, not that the original was perfect, but just that it doesn't even reflect the spirit of what it was that that always kind of bothered by, I think both of us. Yeah, and totally. so, um, our, yeah, our ambition was, tr- was trying not to add in. And I think we've probably said this probably a few times now, but try not to add in our, you know, this idea we have in our heads and more just like kind of respond to what the space is telling us. We really didn't add anything. Yeah. Like we used the original footprint, the original shapes. We didn't try to, we took down, we took down drop ceilings from the what eighties. Yeah. What are those? We just removed. And then we brought in all of our, all of our Oriental rugs and, you know, over time developed a sort of style with, you know, our furnishings, but everything there is very eclectic. Every single space is different. If you stay in any two spaces on the property, you'll have a completely different. Some of the furniture came from my childhood. Some of the furniture came from Wayfair, you know, like it's a mix of of heirlooms and and older looking furniture that we, you know, there's no furniture store in Marpa. So we kind of have to get everything either in an antique store or, or, you know, online. A lot of it is, you know, inspired by all the minimalism, inspired by Donald Judd and, and just kind of keeping things simple. I mean, I think, and that's kind of always been a philosophy for me is I just always in every like part of my life, I'm just like, how do I make this simpler? How do I just make this like, how can I streamline more? How can this be more streamlined? What's the least amount of maintenance, but still feels like home without being, without being, you know, like, I don't want to say cheap because we don't necessarily do expensive things. It's not about being cheap. It's just about something that like feels. It has, it has function. It's it's strong and it's yeah. (laughs) Feels what feels cozy. (laughs) What can we do that feels cozy? That really is our, I think, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we use the word cozy, but it is our, it is our mantra. We fill the rooms with old books. Every room is essentially a lending library. People take one and leave one all the time. Like we've definitely lost some books and stuff, but that's just kind of part of the, you know, this is a little little cozy home. I mean, it really is. People comment a lot. They're like, we laughed a lot because they find these little, these little, we have Easter eggs kind of like all around the property. Easter eggs that don't necessarily even lead to anything. They don't mean anything. We have a lot of like just, but like every title of every book, it's not because it was a good book. It's because we like the title. Yeah. So if you go through the library, because they're from the twenties, the nineteen tens, <laughs> the late, they're just they're from they're from thrift stores. Love the smell of an old book. What's cozier than yeah, that? Can't so, can't can get better than that. Smell of an old no. book. But oh, I mean, the care and attention, <laughs> the care and attention that you both have put into this space is just so incredible. Hearing all the little design details that you. That you did, and I mean, especially uh, Clark, you know, including heirlooms from your childhood, it's just all so special. And I know that so many guests have visited the Lincoln Marfa throughout the years, and you've racked up countless glowing reviews. Um, but what's one review or compliment you've received from a guest that has particularly warmed your heart? I like the ones that come from couples who've come either to get engaged or celebrate oh, an anniversary. Yeah, uh, and knowing that that place is now a permanent fixture in their in their memory and in their relationship story. We have like little, those. we have little guest books in the rooms. So people sometimes leave, leave uh, reviews in there or just art or recommendations for other guests. So those are kind of this like kind of communal space as well. That's inside of your private space. And we get a lot of nice things that I, I, the thing I, I always recognize that I love is, is when they say, we stayed one night or we stayed two nights, but we wish we had stayed longer. We just didn't know mm. what we 
getting, you know, they they wish they had come and come and stayed a while, you know? That's so amazing. So on your website, you have your own story, which is so, so especially sure that with guests and Clark, you mentioned that now guests are creating their own stories at your space. So that's just a full circle, um, beautiful moment for sure. I mean, we've had, we've had a couple of guests say, and I find it hard to believe, but we've had people say that it's the best place they've ever stayed in their entire lives. <laughs> people have said that. That's well, amazing. People in, and it's very clearly like the right kind of, you know, the people who respond to the same things we respond to are finding us and going, oh, wow, this is, yeah, this is the thing I didn't know I wanted that I'm finally getting. And I think that is definitely become obvious to us in, in some of the reviews that come through. It's like, oh, this is my spot. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize this was here. This is what I want. This is, you know, when I come back to Marfa, this is where I'm going to go. Like, yeah. And it's, it's very flattering to have people who were, who, who identify with the things that we identify with. Cause it is very personal. Cause we feel weird sometimes. And so it's nice to, it's nice to see that other people get it, get joy and laugh, you know, enjoy the same things that we might get a kick out of. And everybody, I think the one, the most common thing, and this kind of harkens back to what we were saying earlier, but one of the most common comments we get in the, in the, in the comments is the, um, they've just noticed the personal attention to detail, the little things that are all over that they sense are very mm-hmm. intimate and, and, Put a lot, a lot of thought was put into them, you know, and that's, it's, it's recognized. Yeah. You created a gem and now you guys get to share that gem with other people, which is beautiful. It's such a beautiful and unique place to say. Jillian and I have been there and it's just a really beautiful space. You've created such a cozy atmosphere unique. and that bomb shelter. I can't, <laughs> I can't say enough good things about it. It really was. <laughs> it's one of those places that you're like, you're like that kind of space and, and the uniqueness of each suite. And finding those unique people who really vibe with the stuff that you appreciate. A lot of times we talk about this in the show a lot, but a lot of times what coziness can come down to is just like that, that human connection and finding those people that you vibe with. And even if you're not hosting directly in terms of like telling them where to stay or going out with them every night, but you, you do have a community you've created just in people who can appreciate that kind of atmosphere and space. Well, and that's one of the things you also like kind of transitioning, if you'd like to, into like the outdoor spaces. That was where a lot of thought was put into. And because we don't, even though we call ourselves a hotel or a lot of people consider us a hotel, like you introduced us, we're really, we consider ourselves a short-term and long-term housing or lodging community. Yeah. Because we do have five long-term rentals on the site. And I think one of the most cozy things about us is your interaction with people who live there full time. When you stay there, there's no other hotel in town where you can set up a, a, you know, we've got three fire pits on property. We've got a small soaking tank. We've made a lot of little conversation spaces and hangout spaces where people can naturally come together. And since all of the spaces are so different and they're all intermingled with long-term people like that, you get, you have that beautiful interaction between, I mean, how many times do you get to stay in a place you love and you also get to like meet people who live there at the space, you know, and people who live in Marfa, I think a lot of people want to get to know the locals and, you know, staying in a hotel, you don't necessarily get that. 100%. Something that was so special about being there for your wedding party and getting to meet your neighbors. You really do feel like when, when you're there, you're like part of the community. And that's like a really unique aspect that your guests get to experience. Cause you're really in the heart of Marfa getting to know its residents and kind of feeling like a part of it for as long as you're there. That was the goal. That's something we always were drawn to. And that's something we really enjoyed when we were just getting the place off the ground. We were living on site and we, we met everybody and we, we knew our, knew our neighbors and it did, it was a beautiful sense of camaraderie. It's yeah. such a special space. We really appreciate you both taking Truly. the time to joining us today and, and talk us through how you created it. And how we can be better hosts ourselves, even though, you know, not everyone runs lodging for other people, but I think we can take a lot of lessons from how we can create those spaces for our visitors who might be family and friends. Yes. And speaking of which, I mean, if there are folks, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who are like, I'm going to book a a trip to Marfa right now. How can our (laughs) listeners keep up with you both and book a stay at the Lincoln Marfa? Well, they can follow us on our Instagram at the Lincoln Marfa and they can book through our website. We're also on Airbnb and, and uh, Expedia, but um, booking through our website is the best way. The link in Marfa.com. And your Instagram account is super cozy. So even if you don't plan to go to Marfa anytime soon, just follow it for cozy Marfa content. 
Thank, thank you. you so much for having us, you guys. We had so much fun. No, thank you. Yeah, it's so much fun talking to you about, like, it really is such a special space. And Truly. I feel, honestly, I'm, I, I feel grateful that you discovered it and brought all of your friends to Marfa because it really is just, it's it's such an incredible place to be and you just don't get it until you go. That's their tagline. Literally, the tagline is hard to get there. The visitor center. What is the yeah. visitor center? It's like it's hard to get to. Or hard to it's break. hard to get to and even harder to explain. But once- <laughs> <laughs> hard to explain, but, harder to get to. But once <laughs> you get here, but once you get here, you get it. It was so lovely having Adam and Clark join us to talk through how we can be better hosts for our guests during the holidays. Now that we know how to create those spaces for our guests, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to feed them. Yeah, so this is an interesting segment because I was thinking of different ways to switch up our segments on food because we always do something for food for Thanksgiving. And if you're on social media, you might have noticed an adorable and impressive trend involving Oganiri, which are Japanese rice balls. And one inspiring artist, as my modern net noted, runs an Instagram account called Oganiri Gegashiro, which translates to rice ball theater, which is an amazing description. Um, The artist creates delightful characters and animals out of sticky rice, detailing each creation with sesame seeds, pickled plum, salted salmon, bonito flakes, and seaweed. The designs are equally calming and cute and inspired us to craft other versions of adorable food for Thanksgiving. And I'm really into cute food. I think that might be my new hobby. So Matt, what did you make? So I made some turcamole. <laughs> okay. So I, I really think like these cute food ideas, like just to kind of give you a little bit of like a sense of what they look like is it's, it's uh, food that is plated um, and prepared to look like something else that's adorable. And in this case, it is an avocado guacamole. I, I, I hesitate to say guacamole because I, it just is missing some of the key elements in terms of the bare bones recipes. I'm going to call it an avocado dip, what I'm going to call it. And it is prepared so that it is in the shape of a turkey, like a cartoon turkey. When you're preparing your spread for the holidays, it's like another thing you can try to like wow your guests a little bit and creates conversation. And I think it's especially satisfying for kids. So if you're looking for little things that will spice up the the kids the kitty table at your holiday dinner i think these are some great ideas and so this turcamole thing (laughs) so here here's what it looks like so just to give you an image of what the finished product is so imagine a plate and on that plate is half an avocado an avocado halved and then you take out the contents of the avocado mash it all up and you put in lime and you put in cilantro and you put a little bit of salt and then you put it back into that avocado and what you do is you then take a carrot and you carve it into two little feet. Some, a baby carrot works really well for that. You take two slices of lime. They have cucumber in the recipe that I'm going to post in the show notes, but I thought lime was better because there's lime actually in the dip. And you put those together for the eyes and you put two little peppercorns in the center of that so you have some pupils in there. You carve a little beak out of some baby carrot again. Give it a little, um, what is that thing called? A little red gobbler. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. I think it's like, yeah, I think it's a gobbler. <laughs> is it a gobbler? That's a scientific name, I think. You know, oh. that like that like flappy skin hanging off their beak. You put a little uh, slice, like a, a thin bit of tomato, have that off the beak. And the, the most fun part is that your chips for the dip are the feathers. And you, and you arrange those in a pleasing way to make it look like a, a turkey's tail. Um, I used uh, chips from Trader Joe's that are like fall colors. So I, you can get all the colors of that turkey tail in there. And it, it's super adorable once it's done. Practically speaking, you can't enjoy the dip until you like get rid of the whole face. <laughs> so like, so if you're looking face down to the plate, it looks like a little avocado turkey. So um, cute. But once you want to enjoy the actual dip, which it is a very refreshing, simple recipe. And it's I think kids actually will, will love it, especially because it is like straight and to the point. It's not like you know, fancy flavors that might, th- that might make them go bleh. And yeah, it's, and also the, the serving size. I mean, let's be real here. It's half an avocado's worth of dip. So a little better for kids, I think, than for adults, because you're going to run out super quickly. So if you do want to do this for like a spread, I would, I would make multiple turkeys. Turkey family. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really, this. really, really simple. So I think this is honestly one of the, the most, the biggest bangs for your buck in terms of wow factor for very little effort. 
And I think they should follow your tip of getting the fall color chips. That's what makes it for me. It's so beautiful, the assortment of chips. You have some red in there, some orange, and it's it's so, so cute and adorable. And Matt sent me a picture and he framed it with pumpkins and can be very, very festive. But it also, like you said, it can be a year-round thing, too. It doesn't have to be just Thanksgiving. That's the, that's the thing about cute food. You can... Have fun if there are no rules. Yeah, think of all the things you can turn that half an avocado into. <laughs> That's true. Who knows, Matt? You might be the new um, Instagram food chef. But only avocado halves. <laughs> yeah, so I made some boiled egg snowmen, which sounds, I it sounded, I think this sounds a little disturbing on yeah. first read. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to think of something that was, festive i really want to make the the rice balls one day one day especially those cute little cat um sticky rice figurines they're so so adorable uh but boiled eggs are just easier and i was looking into boiled egg art and there are so many different types of animals you can make out of boiled eggs which i wasn't aware of like a mouse a bunny there's so many different things but in an in anticipation of the holiday season, I decided to go with some snowmen, a courtesy of Organic Valley. They have a YouTube video, which is great for the visuals, and they also have really detailed instructions, but I have ADD, so I need to interpret the instructions on my own and <laughs> rewrite them so I can actually understand it before I do it. So <laughs> my instructions might sound a little curious, but uh, you boil two eggs per snowman, and then you cut a skewer to four inches so you have a little bit of space left for the top hat, which are two uh, carrot coins. Oh my goodness. Um, so, so, so basically, if, if you're making your snow people, the, you need two eggs per snow person. So Yes. Yeah, so like you, so however, however many eggs you're boiling, so if you do a dozen, you're making six. Yeah, I don't really like to think about the, the math aspect, but the, the, <laughs> the, the, the point is you just need two eggs for snowman. So if I'm, you know, yeah, if you want to make a, a little couple of snow people, um, you can, you know, fire up some four eggs. But I just was taking it day by, you know, day by day, but moment by moment. And so uh, you want to also make sure that you are trimming the eggs so they sit well on top of each other because, you know, what would, what would you call them? It has a, like they're dome shaped eggs. Like how do you, how would you describe it? I mean, two domes can't comfortably sit on top of each other. You have to trim the bottom of the egg a little bit so mm -hmm. that they can. You, you, just need to, you, you need to create like a flat surface so that, so that they can come together. Perfectly said. And so you leave a half inch of the skewer visible as I um, mentioned for the top hat and you spear the eggs together and then you make the carrot top hat with the two coin-shaped pieces, one has to be bigger than the other, obviously. And the, you have to spear the big carrot coin until it goes through. <laughs> so I'm like laughing at how untechnical this is. But you spear the big parrot co uh, carrot coin until it goes all the way through. But don't spear little carrot coin all, all the way because then you'll, have the <laughs> then you'll have the skewer sticking out. You don't want that. So then you poke the eggs with the skewer to make the eyes and the coal buttons, which you fill in with peppercorns and then you peppercorns finish. are doing a lot of work in these uh cute they food uh, they projects. really are and <laughs> the final step is to take a toothpick and poke in uh on the side of the, the egg the holes for the arms which you'll fill with curly parsley and what i love about this recipe is it is the average person's recipe because what frustrates me about recipes is they're so specific it's like oh make sure that you have you know butterflies breath or something like that's the most the craziest things that you know, like the most random expensive ingredients this is literally just eggs carrots parsley and a few freaking peppercorns and then you have your <laughs> boiled egg snowman and they're so cute they are cute i think this is a really great idea for a holiday breakfast mm -hmm. so if you're already serving a a boiled egg to your family members or yourself, even if you want to add a little whimsy to your own morning, why not stack those eggs into a snow person? So like, I, I, yeah, I, I love this idea, especially for like a really simple breakfast that's made special, like super quick and easy. So cute. And yeah, it's so simple. And the, the snow people are healthy too. So if you want a healthy uh, holiday breakfast, boil up some eggs for your, 
festive snow people. Listeners, try them out. Try out your own cute ideas. We'd love to see. This is actually really one. I'm really calling you all. If you're in our Facebook group, if you're on Instagram, try it out for your spread this year for a a holiday and let us know how it goes. You can use any of our our ideas. You can try some whole new cute creation. But again, I, I do think like putting a little thought into the plating to make these, to make your dish into something a little cuter and more representative of something can really wow your guests for basically no effort. So highly recommend it. Our plates are full. Now let's fill our ears with music. Let's listen to some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week? I chose Get Better by Alt-J. It's released on November 3rd from their upcoming album, Dream. And this isn't, I would say, a traditionally cozy song. It has... The sound is very cozy, but the topic is not so much. And uh, definitely prepare yourself before watching because it is uh, a journey, an emotional journey. This song was inspired by one of the members of the band, Joe Newman. He wrote Get Better as a sweet song to his girlfriend, Darcy, in 2018 when she was not feeling so well. And then he picked it back up in 2020 during the height of the pandemic, and he blended the two in what he says is the most emotionally honest song he has ever written. So it does touch on themes of the pandemic, and the video was created from award-winning pixel artist Stephanie Grunwald. And I think the song is a safe space to feel sad, and sometimes that's what coziness is. And the video reflects that space, and it takes the viewer on a narrative journey of healing and it starts and ends with a guardian cat. So if you like cats, this is a really cute video. So let's take a listen to Get Better. So get better, my darling. I know you will. Get better, my darling. I know you will get better. Such a sweet song, and the pixel art video is stunning. It's really beautiful and cozy. The colors are so vibrant and warm. I, re- I highly recommend listening to the music video because it's it's well worth your time. It's a really beautiful video. Oh, yeah, and it's about five to six minutes long, so uh, you definitely get to see all of the the talent of Stephanie Grunwald throughout the video. And like you said, Matt, it's just, it's so well done. And it definitely is hard to listen to at parts, especially if you were particularly hit hard, you know, during the pandemic, but it ends on a really hopeful note. And that guardian cat does make an appearance again. So I watched it. I watched like a billion times. I love the video. It's, it's just, it's just so well done. Sometimes being sad is cozy. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be always like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's like I said before. I mean, I think coziness truly in, in a lot of ways is just having a safe space to feel things. Because uh, there's sometimes, I mean, the world just comes at you so fast and so hard and um, a lot of images and things can be j- jarring and it's okay to need a safe space to feel hard things. We don't have to always, you know, m- march into it with a, with a brave face on. We can have a, a cozy pixelated experience to (laughs) deal with those emotions. Very well said. My soothing sound this week is uh, tonally totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The song is Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, which is the collaboration between Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Um, It's their R&B and soul collab. Uh, The new album just came out um, in November, This single actually has been out since March, but I'm just coming to it because of the album release this Mm -hmm. month. Um, They released a new single called Smoking Out the Window, which is so funny and fun to listen to. That's their latest single. And I I love that song a lot. It's not necessarily the coziest in the world, but it brought me to this very cozy song because in both the sound and the look of the music video, you're getting full warm tones of 70s funk and R&B. And there's just a lot of humor to boot. These songs are so sweet and surprisingly funny. So let's take a listen to Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. So if you try- 
yeah, I'm actually familiar with this song because I just got into Instagram reels because I guess I'm one of the old people who's not on, on TikTok. 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 <laughs> and Case in point. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah. So there was this challenge. <laughs> what are the kids doing on that, on that TikTok? <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> I mean, it was really devastating when I read that old people are on Instagram reels and then young people are on TikTok. But I digress. And so this song was on there because there's a challenge involving this song. And <laughs> it's really funny because you text your partner the first line of the, not, where does it start? Um, and when that's, they say they're in a robe, drinking mm-hmm. wine in a robe. And so then, the, you know, your partner responds to that. And then you text them another line of the song. And so I did it to my partner, Jay, because it's for believable. It's like, oh, I'm sipping wine in a robe. And then, you know. How did things progress? <laughs> Is it safe for well, the podcast? Oh, no, it starts where you at. So that's way more. Um, so you trick them and say, "Where are you at?" And so I think Jay said, "I'm. I just like I'm on my way home. You know, I'm. I'm going to be driving soon." And then Did I you said, say, oh, "Oh, you got plans?" Yeah. And so then, you know, a lot of people are, you know, you're like, "No, we're getting dinner, right?" And <laughs> sorry, it was really. So fun. what happened by the time you got to? <laughs> I look too good. She said she thought I was drunk. <laughs> So you don't you don't do the um, parentheses part because after don't say that shut your trap then yeah you that or you like, don't yeah drip drip isn't gonna work <laughs> so you need to do that to Brett before this episode here and let me know what happens oh that's but a great idea sorry to take away from the your explainer of the song but I think it's it's just so fun it's so upbeat it's it makes you laugh it puts a pep in your step it's just fun uh, you know honestly I'm just a sucker for the synchronized dancing of all the musicians together like Bruno mm-hmm. Mars has just been doing this thing for a while where like he's in sync with his dancers doing like very smooth synchronized dancing that's like mm. effortless it's it's so funny and fun I highly recommend it check out leave the door open by silk sonic good choice those were our soothing sounds it's all things cozy so you know we have a candle for you Jillian what are we sniffing this week today we are burning Harvest Brunch by Opal House. Yum. Yes. Yummy. It has pumpkin, cinnamon, and a caramel fragrance that brings a warm ambience to your space. And that it does, because I was a little worried that the pumpkin would be overpowering, but it, it, it doesn't overpower because when we're in November, you want to kind of move a little bit away from the pumpkin because it's overdone after getting through October. So... I wanted to have something that was more reflective of November and the harvest brunch really caught my eye. So harvest is, you know, seasonal and it can be applicable to November. And then the brunch part, I was like, wonder what that would would smell like. Yeah, always down for a brunch. Yeah, but it has a kind of, I think, I mean, it's the um, caramel that has more of a a fruity scent to it. I, some, there's some scent that's coming through that is, more more fruity which is give it a fresh is it fresh or is it cloying it's fresh and so i think that's the brunch aspects when i think of brunch i'm thinking of you know fruity drinks or orange slices or just something to uh that that fun breakfast element and that's definitely coming through here it's a beautiful label as well it has the leaves it has pumpkins it has all these some gourds acorns and it's really a beautiful design and then harvest brunch is written in gold it's a lovely candle i picked it up from target so for a good price too i believe it was five bucks and i i love it it's it's nice in between scent from october to december it gets through that transition period in the holidays yeah, because I'm always kind of stuck with candles um, in that. Like, what what scent should I do for November? Yeah, I mean, for month. me, I always have such a surplus of Halloween candles that I'm typically burning them into November because I don't want them to go to waste. And so it's still smelling pretty witchy in here. <laughs> well, you know, you got to lean into your brand. You have so, to, you have to. Yeah. That I sounds great. That. Check it out. Harvest Brunch by Opal House. Sold at Target. Yeah, go get it. Well, that does it for this week. We hope you all have a wonderful um, Thanksgiving holiday if you celebrate. Before we go, we do have some shout-outs as well. 
Yeah, so we want to thank Deanna J and Allison S for becoming our newest patrons. We appreciate the extra support. And if you become a patron, I'll send you a magnet and a sticker in the mail. And yeah, uh, we sometimes surprise our patrons with little gifts throughout the year. So sign up and we will send you something fun. Yeah, let us surprise you with a sticker and a magnet. Well, it's not much of a surprise. You know what's coming. (laughs) But you can get one of those if you become a patron at patreon.com slash all things cozy. While you're at it, if you're spreading some love for our show, go ahead and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts, perhaps, especially to counterbalance the two-star review we just got. So go go ahead. It's been a while. It's been a while. We are thirsty, starving for a (laughs) five-star review. We know a lot of you have already. Really do appreciate you. But if you haven't, maybe this is your time. Yeah, we would really appreciate it. That does it for us this week. We will be back in your ears in a couple more weeks with more coziness. Until next time, stay Stay cozy. cozy.